The economy is getting back underway, and with it, the world of pro sports. Stay ahead of the curve with the unparalleled tools of two world-class news desks, covering developments across finance, economics, technology, and sports. Subscribe to Bloomberg.com, and if you are not already an Athletics subscriber, for a limited time, receive a complimentary subscription to The Athletic. Go to Bloomberg.com slash subscribe to sign up today. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 94 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. So 94, this is the one where we just quit halfway through. We go on strike. And I think that's apropos. I think... uh, I think I might just go on strike halfway through this episode. And actually, today is, as we're recording, it's August 17th. What was the last day of the 1994 baseball season? It was like right around like mid-August, wasn't it? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a good question. You know, I was uh, preparing for my first year of college back then and not paying attention to baseball. So I actually don't know the whole ins and outs of the strike uh, as well as I should because it didn't bother me back then. I was just living my best life, going to Allman Brothers concerts, you know, just that sort of stuff. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I, I just remember Matt Williams had like 80 home runs and uh, and the Giants were, were doing pretty good. And um, Looks like August 10th. August 10th. Okay. All right. It's still amazing to me to think that there was no World Series that year, that they just, they just packed up and went home. Um, I, I, I'm still dumbfounded by that. And as much as when you talk about like Bud Selig's legacy, which he's very, very carefully tried to curate and sculpt uh, for himself in painstaking fashion, um, you think about the steroid era and that's the first stain on his legacy. No, not for me. For me, it's the fact that he presided over the sport when they wiped out a season, when they were like three quarters of the way through it and then didn't have a World Series. I, I just... It still amazes me that baseball was able to recover from that. Absolutely. It is just completely wild that that happened. And it was all on the service of a salary cap that they never got. Just, you know, they they tried. They really tried to get that salary cap. And I guess they have a quasi-de facto salary cap now when it comes to the, the luxury tax. But they sure never got that hard cap that they were looking for. Yeah, no, they didn't. But, you know, we, we do have, we almost didn't have baseball at all in 2020, and uh, we have it now. And boy, are the Giants bad, <laughs> which, which it's like, okay, you know, it's it's baseball. It's no one's thought that this was going to be a, you know, must win season or, a, you know, these games would be must win. We're here for the entertainment value. But yeah, the Giants are not good. And it's almost, it almost feels like uh like 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 hate watching to watch them now. It's just after the series they just had against the A's. Woo boy, that that was rough. Be careful what you wish for. Do you wish for a baseball season? Of course you wish for a baseball season. Well, you got one. You got one. This is by all accounts a baseball season and uh 
I don't know. It's entertaining. We got stuff to talk about. Yeah, we do. And, and you know, I wrote about this after the game on Sunday. How is this Giants bullpen such a mess? How, how is it as bad as it has been? I actually thought the bullpen would be one of the first things that that uh, that we would see improvement, and that would be one of the first areas where a lot of these new technologies and the new information and and all of the things they're trying to incorporate would start to bear fruit first. And um, boy, it just has not worked out that way. No, and I, I loved that uh, that analogy that you used in your kind of state of the bullpen article where the bullpen is the early season crop. That's the one that you build right away because you're, you're dealing with freely available parts and minor league free agents. And, you know, the Giants have a history of, okay, you give a little, little money to Jeremy Affelt, you sign Santiago Casilla uh, to a minor league deal. You have some some players like Brian Wilson and Sergio Romo coming up from the farm. It, it happens quickly. This is what this is how you build a bullpen. And I did not get around to writing an article before the season started. And this was right after the exhibition games against the A's, where I was enamored of the different looks the Giants could throw at you. You would send out Tyler Rogers, and then you'd have Wandy Peralta with his with his weird slider cutter thing that he throws in on the hands to right-handed hitters. And then you had Rico Garcia, and then you can come back with Sean Anderson and his slider of doom. He's the prototypical hard-throwing uh, right-hander. And you just had, you know, Danny Jimenez with his big looping curveball. There were just a lot of looks. And for a team that was going to be wholly reliant on a bullpen first strategy, I was I was in. I thought they would miss bats. I thought it would work. It, they're not missing bats and it's not working. No, it's not. I mean, it doesn't help that Jeff Samarja is out. Um, Drew Smiley is out and they've had to shift from their bulk innings guys, Tyler Anderson, Trevor Cahill, guys that I think were going to play big roles in that bullpen uh, have had to be shifted to the rotation. Um, you know, and and then you don't have uh, maybe the kind of uh, consistency that you're looking for for some of the arms that you just mentioned. And, and I, I really am having trouble kind of objectively grading Gabe Kapler's bullpen usage um, when this three batter rule is is new, it's different. This was going to be new and different, even if we were in good old normie times and everyone was able to crowd together and go to the game and root, root, root for the home team. And there was no pandemic. There was still going to be this three batter rule. And I, you know, Peralta faced four right-handers out of five. Um, so is that Gabe Kapler's fault? Did he screw up? I mean, or is that just the way that things are and 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 relievers have to have a different skill set than before? I don't know. I'm not sure how to feel about all this. That's an excellent point. I just filed a column in which I a little critical of Kapler's decisions this weekend, but also pointing out that a lot had to go very specifically wrong for the collapse to be this you know, ultimate, the flames maybe were lit by a curious decision here or there, but they reached space because of a group effort. And that's not necessarily fair to Kapler, but it's also like a reputation that you just don't undo. And if he has perfect, 
perfect bullpen management for the rest of the season. If he has a crystal ball and clairvoyance, he's going to put relievers in the best position he possibly can. You know what? Relievers are still going to screw up because it's baseball and it's going to make him look bad even if he's doing the best possible job he can do. Like that reputation just gets cemented and it's almost impossible for any manager to undo a reputation. Like when I say the name Don Mattingly, what are you thinking about right now? Uh, the double back or or the or the gif with Dodgers lose where he's making that err face. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good that's a deep cut. That's a deep cut. But yeah, yeah. you know, it's it's it, that's not fair to Mattingly, but it's it's like once you get a reputation, well, this guy can't manage a bullpen. Good luck trying to put that toothpaste back in the tube. You know what though? Don Mattingly could instantly instantly get himself more points and more credibility if he just grew the mustache back. Just grow it back. He he looks like he's like freshly shorn all the time. He needs the mustache back. I Bring will back go. Mustache. I will go in an opposite direction. I think he needs to get rid of those sideburns. Oh, the the mutton chops. But he might not be able to play for for the the Springfield softball for Mr. Burns softball team if he if he uh, doesn't lose the mut- mutton chops. I have a sign in in my office that reads uh, "Days since last." Simpsons episode reference on the podcast and have to flip it back to zero. Whoops, it already was zero. No, it's, you know, I I don't think it's fair to slap a label, especially this early. Like, you should, a manager should have a full season before you really feel like you, you got a handle on them. You know what I mean? And, and I think Phillies fans have a handle on Kapler and they were trying to tell Giants fans about, you know, their concerns. But Giants fans, it should, Kapler's reputation as a guy who doesn't know which reliever to use and he's, you know, he's pushing all the wrong buttons. That shouldn't be a reputation you get in the first month of a, of a truncated season. And it takes a real spectacular collapse for that to happen. And I think it might have happened. And it's I, that might not be all his fault, but whew, it, it sure happened. Yeah. By the way, on my wall, I have my degrees from Bovine University and Hollywood Upstairs Medical College. I have a Hollywood Upstairs Medical College t-shirt, I'll, I'll have you know. Are you kidding? They make those? Well, you know, it's off-brand, uh, but it's in that font, you know, that that kind of generic college university font. Uh, and I saw it, and I had to have it, and nobody gets the reference. But oh, I'm happy with gosh. it. Oh, my gosh. I wonder if people who are listening get the, get that reference. Probably. Probably. They're probably <laughs> in our, tar- our target demographic, as they say. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm always happy that I have just this cache of Simpsons references to fall back on and not like Mad About You references because people still seem to get the Simpsons references occasionally, whereas if I were into something else, boy, would I be even more insufferable. Yeah, and it, what's amazing is like the references that that I that people throw out to me uh, are that are Simpsons references. I get them, even though I haven't watched the show in like a decade. Um, <laughs> there's there's been like a billion episodes, and yet like like there's this like core area of of Simpsons uh, um, Simpsons uh, 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 episodes uh, that 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 seem to get sampled or seem to get referenced that that everyone seems to get. So I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of funny how that works. But but to, to your point uh, about Gabe Kapler, who's not a character on The Simpsons, um, y- you know, I, there are going to be people who are looking for confirmation bias. That's how they went yes. into uh, – or they're going to be looking for, for, okay, I was right about this guy. He is a terrible manager. I, I, just, I just don't know if you can make a whole lot of really worthwhile assessments about him or his coaching staff yet. Uh, yet. There are things that, that I've seen – where I go, okay, this this is not looking so great. And then there are other things that I'll consider on and be like, you know, how, how it's not fair to, to judge him based on this. But there are moments like, you know, there, there's a moment in the game, um, it might have been Friday, where the camera flashed to the dugout. 
and there's Gabe Kapler looking at a piece of paper, and he's surrounded by seven coaches. Seven are, are surrounding him. And I'm like, this is too many cooks right here, man. This is, I mean, how, how can they possibly, you know, the, 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 you can't really go through and parse through a decision. You got to act in the moment, right? You've got you to be decisive. You got to be the executive when you're the manager. And, and at one point, is there just too much noise and too much input from people? Um, I, I wonder how he's dealing with that because this is a 13-person coaching staff. Um, and, and, you know, little things like when Peralta came into the game, I don't know if you noticed this or if they showed it at home, but I, I, I noted it because I was at the ballpark uh, yesterday. Uh, there was a bat boy who ran out there, and he had like a stack of cards um, that were uh, informational cards. And he gave, he, he, he gave new ones to all the infielders and all the outfielders, and they gave him the old ones back. So presumably this would be, you know, um, like how, how the, where the, the A's batters are projected to hit the ball against the pitcher who's in the game. So Webb is out, Peralta's in, so there's new cards for everybody. And they're going over them, they're looking at them. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know, how granular is this? How much advantage do the players gain from it? And how much are they swimming in that instead of just being instinct, instinctive and going out and playing the game? You know, what are the advantages they derive from this? And what are the disadvantages of, of having all of this, you know, information to the point where you're giving people new cards in the middle of an inning? I, it's, I, is, it, is this the future or is this a whole bunch of experimentation that isn't going to work out? And, and, you know, Tim Kawakami's piece uh, the other day was, I thought, really good because he reminded us that, if this season is all about just, hey, you know, let's experiment. Let's see what works, what doesn't. We're in a consequence-free environment this year. Um, then, you know, what's the harm in it, I guess? But, yeah, it's it's still hard to know what to make of Gabe Kapler, Major League Manager. What you're saying about the positioning and in the middle of an inning getting new information to the players, that's the kind of incremental advantage that, might be the difference between, say, the Astros and the Nationals in a Game 7 of a World Series, or just in terms of when you have two elite teams pummeling each other for a seven-game series, it might turn on the positioning of one specific fielder, so you had better have the best possible information about where to put that fielder. I get that, and I think it's valid. You're not going to see the advantages as much when you have a bad team. You're just, it's going to look like a lot of foo and it's going to annoy you even more. The process might be sound, but it's it's just hard to gain those advantages when you don't have relievers who can miss bats or pitch an inning without screwing up. Yeah, and I think this has always been the, the Gabe Kapler dilemma is, you know, how much do you get granular and look for all of these tiny little advantages at the margins uh, at the expense of, let's say, a starting pitcher's confidence by letting him go out and face a few more batters or finish off an inning um, or, or uh, you know, get in, in, getting in someone's head too much information so that they can't go out and just perform. Um, that That's kind of been his big push-pull and trying to figure out, okay, at what level are we doing too much? And... It was fascinating to look at Friday's loss and Saturday's loss. They blew blew leads of five runs for the first time in 91 years in the ninth inning and, and, and three runs the next day. And you look at those two games and one of them, Wilmer Flores, is playing first base and he makes a big boneheaded error 
not an error, but a misplay where he doesn't go and touch first base and tries for the out at, at, at second. With his team up four runs, he gave away an out when they needed two outs to win the game. And that was a huge mistake. And Trevor got pitched awful and he didn't pick him up, but it was a bad break for Trevor Gott. And so the screaming was about why wasn't Brandon Belt in that game as a defensive replacement? Crawford was in the game as a defensive replacement. Why wasn't Belt? Well, Belt's you know heel was bothering him, and they wanted to stay away from him, get him off his feet. Okay, under, understood. The very next day, they had the lead. Brandon Belt is in there at first base. He he was put in as a defensive replacement. So Kapler kind of realized that you know his mistake, and he put Belt in there. But Hunter Pence was still in right field, and there's nowhere that they could really. No one off the bench they could use at that point because Jalen Davis isn't on the team. Stephen Duggar isn't on the team. Um, Austin Slater was DHing because his elbows hurt. So they moved Dubon from the infield to center field. They moved Yastrzemski from center field to left field and took Darren Ruff out of the game. But they could have done one more thing. They could have put Pence in left and put Yastrzemski in right. And it's almost like Kapler did the granular thing by putting Belt at first base. But he didn't do the additional granular thing by putting Pence in in left instead of right. And then what happens? There's a, a batted ball by um, Tony Kemp that's got an 050 expected batting average that Pence breaks in on that turns into a double. And then it, it just happened all over again. Trevor got exploded again and they lost again. And you almost feel bad for Kapler. It's like... Man, it's, I wonder how he slept that night. Listen, if you have Pence in left field and your Stremski in right field, one of two things is going to happen. Either Kemp hits the ball to left field, and it's just a mirror image of the play that we saw, or Yastrzemski's going to go for the ball, and like a Mario Kart blue shell's going to hit him, and he's going to fall down. Like, that's how the weekend felt. Like, there were no buttons to push that wouldn't blow up the factory. It was just everything that could go wrong went wrong from the from Flores' boner to, to Brandon Crawford just taking his foot off second base a split second too soon. I mean, it was it was comical. And I went through all the pitches that Trevor got made, and he made a ton of mistakes. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, it, with a two-strike count, he hit Chris Davis with a pitch, and you can't do that to Chris Davis. Chris Davis wants to strike out in that situation. Uh, that was on Friday night, but the, I was looking at one of the sliders he threw to to, to Marcana, and it was gorgeous. It was a two-strike slider that should have ended the game, and you would not have faulted Canna for swinging, and he spit on it, because that's just how the weekend went. So I don't know if there are any correct buttons to push, other than, you know, I I, I really took umbrage with, with Gott starting the the ninth inning on Friday night because it was a five-run lead. You had 10 games without an off day. And then the next night, I took umbrage with putting him back in there, even if you're trying to build his confidence, uh, because he worked so hard the night before. He's coming off uh, an elbow issue last year. I I didn't like those decisions at the time. I don't necessarily think they needed to cost the Giants a combined eight runs in ninth inning leads. I don't have a huge problem with um, with Kapler using Gott on Saturday. I mean, he threw 23 pitches, I think it was, on Friday. And he's been a pretty resilient arm on back-to-back days. Uh, I understand the impulse to want to show a lot of confidence in one of your more important leveraged relievers. Even if they don't call him the closer, he's obviously kind of acted in that capacity. And, you know, when he did that with Tyler Rogers in Houston uh, the previous Tuesday – and they won that 10-inning game, you know, he threw Rodgers out there after uh, Rodgers had had a tough go of it, and that meant a lot to him. And, and you could tell that that was important for him and for the team. So 
you know, I, I know that some people roll their eyes at a manager getting the closer back in the saddle, but I, I really think that that is kind of an important thing. Where, where where I don't really agree is, like you said, throwing Gott out there on Friday, uh, using your closer with a five-run lead in the ninth inning when you're about to play 10 games without a day off. And, you know, I, I understand Kapler's reasoning was, well, you know, I, I, I don't want to get guys up if I don't have to. We track all that. Um, it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, I didn't want to have to use another reliever. And then if he got in trouble because we're facing the sort of scary part of their lineup, then I'm going to have to get got up anyway. I think that's overthinking it because, okay, you use one of your lesser, you know, leverage guys. And if they get in trouble, then you get Trevor got up and maybe you don't have to. And then you've got Trevor got there to help get you out of the mess. When you start with the closer and the closer gets in trouble, it doesn't really leave you a safety net. So I, I, I really think that that was um, probably a miscalculation and really overthinking it. And if, if Gabe Kapler's got an issue as a manager, it's overthinking things. Yeah, I was getting texts from my friend who's, who says, you know, I am a classic overthinker, and he really is. And he was saying, I recognize overthinking, and I, I believe that Gabe Kapler is an overthinker. And those are the exact words uh, that he used. So I, I you know, I'm not... I'm not a strategic genius. I am not sh- sitting there watching the game and thinking five moves ahead. Uh, I've mentioned before, uh, you know, I've sat next to people who are doing this in the press box, and it fascinates me because I, I feel like I've watched a billion hours of baseball and I should be good at it, but I'm not. So I, I'm always hesitant to really get nitpicky when it comes to a manager making one specific decision, especially when that manager knows exactly how his relievers are feeling or how the relievers are telling him, you know, hey, my arm's a little little rough, or no, I'm good to go, skip. Uh, so I, I don't like to do it, but when I'm seeing, like, uh, I'm not sure about this, you know, and then the bad thing happens, then that's that's the confirmation bias. It's like, well, pff, okay, yeah, I could see that coming, and I'm a you know I'm a knucklehead, uh, and and that I think is just how Kapler's rep- reputation has has cemented really quickly, fairly or not. I mean, maybe he is the world's worst bullpen manager. I don't think we should know that by now, and I don't think we have enough information to definitively say yes, that is he shall be marked with that stain for all time. I just I don't think we should know right now, but it's there, and that's not fair to him, but I think he really just needs to focus on how the clubhouse feels about it, not us, because it, it's not pretty in Giants fanland. Yeah, I just I just don't want to be sort of like tribal about it. And and as someone who covers the team, I, I can't be. But I, I would also just sort of, I guess, encourage people out there not to sort of, you know, fall into the camp of Kapler defender versus or, yes. or apo- apologist versus yes. Kapler, you know, um, uh, attacker or person who just you know, has made up their mind that he's awful. It's like, let's let the season play out. Let's see how it goes. We knew the Giants were going to struggle. Uh, we sort of thought that maybe in the weirdness of this small season, maybe something unforeseen could happen. There are going to be teams that make the playoffs that are, are not good baseball teams. I mean, the Orioles, the Marlins, the Giants could have been one of those teams. Now it's looking like they probably won't be. But um, all of that sort of weird artificial hope aside – you know, this was supposed to be a season of development, and that includes the development of this manager and this coaching staff. So I, I just sort of feel like, you know, let, let's let's just watch it play out and 
there's no reason why you have to fall on one side of the fence or the other right now. That's that's really, really good advice, I think, for, for Giants fans listening and, and watching these games is really just try not to fall into one of those. It's not binary. And I'm writing my articles and my think pieces and my opinions based on that, where I'm not trying to slam Kapler and I'm not trying to go out of my way to make excuses for him either, because I think that there's a lot of information I don't have that we will get in the future. It's it's really early in the season. And what it's going to read like to someone who is completely against Kapler, it's going to read like I am making excuses or that I'm being uh, wishy-washy. But if you're someone who is very much, you know, a Kapler apologist or or on his side, it's going to read like I'm slamming him. And that's just how this, I guess that's sports, that's politics now, it's just everything's binary. But I think the answer could be one of those extremes. We just shouldn't know right now. And we certainly, those losses were abysmal. But I don't think we have, you know, that they shouldn't prove one side or the other. Yeah. And, and you know, I think that there there is a lot of sentiment out there as well. And, and this goes not just with fans, but other podcasters and other media where it's either everything is defending Farhan Zaidi and everything is defending this front office and or or it's the other way around where where it's these guys got to go it's like no one's going to get fired over this season come on no one is going to get judged or fired over over what happens in 2020 except for maybe the guy in the white house we we could fire him but uh but in terms of the giants i mean you know it's yeah, it's. I roll my eyes actually at the people out there who who just find a way to bend everything to make it a positive spin, or the people who just are ready to let heads roll. It's like no, neither one, neither one is 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 the is the right approach. I think generally, I, I approve of a lot of the moves that 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 Farhan has done. Uh, I also question whether or not this was the best possible bullpen with the best uh, bat missing stuff that could have been built so again i think the truth lies somewhere in the middle and i'm i'm going to be generally optimistic about the direction of the team based on last year and the players they've unearthed and polished up like yastrzemski me my goodness uh, at the same time it's it's fair to look at this bullpen and go is this the i mean is this the best that you could do is maybe i don't know but it, it seems questionable as of from here if you're looking to you know really objectively what's the value of this season there's never been a better season to tank there's never i mean you're not selling tickets you know you're not bringing in the 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 revenue um and you're going to have a draft that's going to be pretty loaded after it was only five rounds last year um and and granted the commissioner has to set the draft order and it sounds like it'll probably be um they'll they'll combine the the overall record of 2019 with 2020 sounds like that's what may happen. So it's not like you can just out and out tank and boom, you've got, you know, uh, Kumar rocker ready to, with the first overall pick, but yeah, it's, it's to the giants advantage actually to be as crappy as possible this year in a lot of ways. I don't think they want to be crappy. They, they, but they want to be creative and they want to figure out which component's going to be around for the next good Giants team. And if that helps them get a better pick, hey, they're all for it. But I also think about when it comes to tanking and baseball, if the Giants have the first overall pick in 2008, they probably take Pedro Alvarez, right? They probably don't take Buster Posey. Uh, so I always just say, hey, let let the draft picks sort themselves out. Don't pretend like, you know, unless you have 
<clears throat> Ken Griffey Jr. or Alex Rodriguez coming out, you know, don't try not to pay too much attention to that and just be creative and learn from your mistakes and make mistakes and take gambles. And I do think that's what the 2020 season is about. It's it's about sifting through this bullpen and saying, well, is Wandy Peralta something? Is Rico Garcia something? Is San Se- Sam Selman something? And maybe they still are. Uh, it, but when you're watching a bullpen just go up in flames like this weekend, it, it's really hard to take. So first of all, Sam Selman is Sam Selman something is hard to say. Second of yes. all, um, uh, second of all, what what are your thoughts on knowing that this three batter rule is going to be part of the uh, p- part of baseball for the foreseeable future? How would you build the ideal bullpen going forward? I mean, we know that the Romo Lopez match him up lefty righty get through the eighth you know have your closer all of that is is kind of outdated now and maybe that's a bullpen that has so many different and varying looks is less important than it used to be because you're not signaling individual matchups batter by batter but other than just hey let's get a bunch of guys who throw like Bruce Dar greater all what would you say is going to be the key to building a bullpen going forward that can really be effective it's going to be finding the unicorn let's not assume that Tyler Rogers can get lefties out regularly but let's say he can let's say that that is a skill he possesses this season he's actually fared better against left-handed batters than right-handed batters in his minor league career he fared pretty darn well against left-handed batters. So a guy like that, if you can find him and he's especially tough on right-handed batters, those are the guys you're looking for. You're building your bullpen out of unicorns, whether or not it comes from a submarine motion or someone throwing like greater all, you know, 100 miles per hour with sliders that fall off the earth. However you find them, just find them, find those guys. And I think that's what they're trying to do with Wandy Peralta because he looks like a guy who just might, everything clicks, be tough on right-handed hitters. It hasn't worked out so far, but that's the idea. So find these guys. Why don't you build the whole airplane out of them, so to speak? I think all of that makes a lot of sense. I think that bullpen guys are going to have to be bigger stuff guys. There's going to have to be more strikeout guys, and you're going to have to have more velocity than than you had before, even more than before, just because velocity is so predictive, and you can't necessarily get those left-on-left, right-on-right matchups as much. Um, I also think that's going to be a big, 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 big emphasis and priority on just finding guys who don't give up home runs. And Mm. in that respect, one of Jeremy Affelt's greatest strengths, he never gave up home runs. You look at year by year, it's like one, two, (laughs) one. He he never, and same was true for Javi Lopez, but, uh, you know, the Giants bullpen right now has given up 24 home runs uh, in, in 23 games. That's just the bullpen. The Dodgers bullpen has given up, three home runs all year and they gave up one yesterday and and, I mean it's just and you think okay the Giants have made more pitching changes than than any other team in the majors but in terms of plate appearances the difference is like I think it's maybe uh, maybe 70 or 80 plate appearances might be as many as 100 uh, uh, that the the Giants have that are more than the Dodgers so yeah three home runs versus 24 that kind of tells you the whole story yeah and it used to be that the sabermetric orthodoxy back in the day was well you have ERA but then you have FIP or FIP but you also have XFIP which is you know you just assume that when a bunch of balls leave the ballpark that that's just bad luck on fly balls and you can't assume that that's just not how baseball works anymore. I think with launch angles, with with just hitters who are geared for all or nothing swings, you just have to assume that a lot of balls are going to leave the ballpark. 
And you're right, just build your bullpen out of guys who keep the ball on the ground, perhaps, or at the very least, don't allow that kind of contact. And maybe also, when you, if you do have a contact-oriented bullpen, have a defense that can actually turn balls in play into outs. That That's usually good. That's helpful. Wilmer, my dude, what were you thinking i i i don't know i i I like him as a player i see why wilmore floors is on the giants roster it just seems as if if a player has a flaw it's been magnified uh especially this weekend and that's i i don't know i don't expect that to continue but it sure happened all last weekend and they have too many guys who basically have to be dhs wilmore flores Pretty much has to be a DH. Although he's played a thousand innings in his career at first base, it's he's not a bad first baseman. He's made four errors in a right. thousand innings at first base. It's his best position. That's where they've got to play him. And you know they can't play him at third. Really, they can't play barely play him at second. But if he's if he's not DHing, he's playing first base. If he is DHing, that means Hunter Pence is in the outfield, and Hunter Pence couldn't play the outfield two years ago. Um, so I, I just don't know how going forward Hunter Pence can start a game in the outfield. I just don't know how that can happen. Um, I, I, you're, you're not, you make moves sometimes where you sacrifice defense for offense, but he's not doing enough offensively to warrant that. Um, so yeah, I mean, is Darren Ruff any better? No, of course he's not. But I think that he's at least catching things that are hit in his general direction, um, but yeah, it's you wonder when it's going to shift and we're going to see Jalen Davis just come up and sink or swim. Uh, and we're not going to see Pablo Sandoval get any more at bats. We're not going to see Hunter Pence get any more at bats um, because, you know, it's this team's going to have to start moving in a direction off of, you know, giving uh, at bats and opportunities to guys who aren't going to be part of their future. Well, this has been episode 94 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. It turns out that you were the one who went on strike halfway through. And if you didn't, (laughs) I appreciate you sticking around for the full episode. Uh, It was tough to talk about, but boy, I feel bad for our country, but this is tremendous content as as the meme goes. Uh, We will be back on Thursday, hopefully to talk about happier things. Uh, Thanks to Tanika Smothers for producing us, and thanks to you for listening. We will see you then.